0: Welcome to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Today, we'll hear from Vice President Harris, who had plenty to say at this week's NAACP National Convention in AC.
1: We need people who will defend our rights up and down the ballot.
0: WBGO's Gary Walker chats with trumpeter and artistic director of NYO Jazz, Sean Jones, about a new tour that kicks off in New York.
2: The, the big band, in my view, is, or- is America's orchestral format. And so at some point in time, it is my dream that the big band eventually can stand right next to any orchestra.
0: And I'll chat with the organizer and two filmmakers at this year's Women in Media Newark International Film Festival.
3: Uh, Filmmakers are probably the most courageous women that I know because they stand naked. There is nothing shielding them
0: all this coming up today on the wbgo journal
3: vice president
0: kamala harris visited new jersey earlier this week where she delivered remarks at the naacp national convention in atlantic city urging attendees to vote in this year's midterm elections wbgo's tennyson donier has more
2: Harris recalled America's history of racism and voiced support for abortion rights, tighter gun restrictions, and promised to reduce high rates of maternal mortality for people of color and people living in rural areas. She said the Biden administration also wants federal lawmakers to pass measures protecting voting rights.
1: The freedom to vote is the freedom that unlocks all others. It is a catalyst for economic justice for social justice, for racial justice. And generations of leaders gave their sweat, their tears, their blood in its defense. We need people who will defend our rights up and down the ballot. From district attorneys to state attorneys general, from local sheriffs to governors. And we need two more votes in the United States Senate.
2: While it was clear Harris had many supporters in the crowd, some attendees like Tasia Perry said they had not been too impressed by the Biden administration's performance since it took office last year.
1: I would like to hear her address her promises during her campaign regarding student loan debt forgiveness.
2: This year marks the 113th NAACP National
0: Convention. Tennyson Donier, WBGO News. Trumpeter Sean Jones has played with many great players. He's also an incredible educator and the director of NYO Jazz, a big band ensemble based at Carnegie Hall, made up of top student players from across the country. WBGO's Daybreak host, Gary Walker, recently spoke with Sean Jones and two of his students about their new recording, We're Still Here, and a nationwide tour that kicks off July 28th at Carnegie Hall.
4: You know, one of the highlights of my life here at WBGO is not only sharing with you great jazz records every day, but also making friendships with people I've come across over my 40 years at WBGO. And such is the case with a cat that, like me, comes from Ohio, Warren, Ohio. And in the world of jazz performance, Gerald Wilson, Joe Lovano, Marcus Miller, John Fattis, Jimmy Heath, Uncle Frank Foster, who showed his love by writing a tune for him called Sean's Jones Comes Down. And as an educator, that resume is just as impressive. Oberlin College, working with the SF Jazz Collect- Collective, the Berklee College of Music, the Peabody Institute at John Hopkins University. And if you look at the cover of this month's Downbeat magazine, he's also a jazz philosopher. So when Carnegie Hall wants to build a youth-oriented jazz orchestra to spread the word and let them learn while they burn, I can't think of a better person to head that program up than Sean Jones. And he's with us here today. And Sean, God, it's great to see you again, man.
2: Great to see you too, brother Gary. How you doing, man?
4: (laughs) I'm doing just fine. And along with Sean, we have a couple of the students from the NYO covering the world of Jacksonville, Florida. Is guitarist Maurice Chakor?
5: Yes, that's how you pronounce it.
4: Very good. And from the West Coast, Concord, California, baritone saxophonist Noah Zedley. Sean? When you started out, you had heroes in your life, heroes like Esoto Pellegrini and heroes like Tony Leonardo. What is it that you learned from them that you bring to the table to inspire these young people who are our answer to the real ambassadors? that Dave and Iola Brubeck put together in the late 50s?
2: Wow. Well, thank you for that question. And it's uh, again, it's great to see you, my friend. It's been a long time uh, <laughs> since we've actually seen each other. So I'm happy that we we both made it through 2020. <laughs> uh, but the uh, to answer your question, I would have to say specifically with Isoto Pellegrini was that he never gave up on me. Um, There was a time in my early uh, uh, attempts to play the trumpet uh, that after my second lesson with him that I got so upset because I couldn't I just couldn't fathom the idea that I could play what he could play because he was a fantastic classical trumpet player. He could play all double tonguing, triple tonguing, all of that stuff really fast all the time. And I said to myself, well, I'm not ever going to be able to do any of that stuff. So I so I quit lessons this was all in my mind by the way (laughs) i quit lessons (laughs) so he called up my mother he says why didn't sean show up for the lesson today and my mom you know she didn't she had no idea she says you know i don't know i guess he didn't want to do it anymore so he told my mother to make sure he's ready in 35 minutes so he showed up at my house and his little uh, Italian sports car that he had, he had an Alfa romeo And I got in his in his car, and he started to drive really fast down the highway. I think he might have gotten up to like 110 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, in Ohio, man, you could do that on those flat roads, to, and it's not such a big deal, especially back then. So he pulled over to the side after driving uh, at this speed for probably about maybe like 10 minutes, you know, like on and off. And he said, how did that feel? I said, it was scary and exciting at the same time. And he said, you stick with me, and that's how I'm going to make sure your career ends up. And so he basically showed me possibility and what could be done on the trumpet. As far as Tony Leonardi goes, he was just about the fundamentals and about swing and about making sure that the roots of the music were intact At all costs. So he wanted to make sure that at all costs, it was swinging and he had a serious depth of integrity. And that goes for all of my mentors, man. Dennis Reynolds, who was with the Basie band for us for a little bit of time in the 80s. He was the same way. And I was just really lucky growing up around those wonderful people.
4: When you listen to Sean talk about his early years, Tony was uh, associated with the Woody Herman band. And that large ensemble is quite the palette, isn't it, for expression in the world of jazz. And so it's no just chance that we've come together to talk about the National Youth Jazz Orchestra.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the big band, in my view, is, or, is America's orchestral format. And so at some point in time, it is my dream that the big band eventually can stand right next to any orchestra. So imagine if in the United States, any major orchestra, Seattle, New York, Philadelphia, et cetera, et cetera, they had a big band accompanied with it. That's what should be happening in the United States so that we can have an orchestral format for all of our music, not just jazz, R&B, soul, funk, R&B, all of that. If we are able to have a large ensemble format to present our music in those concert halls, then I think that we're moving in the right cultural step.
4: I saw a big band a couple of months ago and their focus was the music of the Allman Brothers. And I'm telling you, man, they raised the roof off the place. But as you talk, both Noah and Maurice are sitting here and they're nodding their heads yes. Noah, (laughs) I'll start with you. What is it that you find special about being involved with the National Youth Orchestra?
6: Well, there are so many incredible aspects of being a part of NYO Jazz. Um, The musicianship is just at such a high level amongst these young honestly, professionals. And along with playing such high quality music, it's a group of friends. We all get along so well. And it's just great to be in an environment environment where everybody is accepted and everybody really wants to be there to play the music.
4: And the interesting thing about it, too, is you're talking about people that come from Baltimore and Los Angeles, Concord, California, like yourself, Miami, Florida, Seattle, Washington, foster city california noblesville indiana ocala florida miami beach new orleans seattle so it's all these different cultural aspects that are all coming together under one umbrella so it's actually it's much more than music isn't it
6: yeah it's a community that we build together from one coast to the other and everything in between it really is Playing music together and building community and friendships with one another.
4: Just like Dave and Iola Brubeck did back in the late 50s and early 60s with Lambert Hendricks and Ross and Louis Armstrong, Carmen McRae, and, and many others with the Real Ambassadors Tour, they took it on the road. And it wasn't just to play music, it was to speak about the ideals of racism in America, about the cultural balance, and some cases, imbalance in America. But I guess more importantly, who we really are as a people. And Sean, I know you took the ensemble in 2018 and toured around Europe with Diane Reeves. You followed that with a tour of Asia with special guest vocalist Kurt Elling. And coming up at Carnegie Hall on July the 28th, is going to be a very special night for all of you because you're going to be on stage at Carnegie Hall with special guest Jasmia Horn.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting, man. We're going to be uh, (laughs) uh, doing our thing. Once again, we got through the pandemic, was able to do the record. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, do some streaming. But we're we're coming back live after two years. And, you know, uh, you mentioned all those places that we're going to, Gary. And, um, you know, the great thing about what we do with NYO Jazz is we get to represent what it means to truly be a democracy. And in the words of my good friend J.B. Dias, jazz is the greatest representation of democracy because it affords or allows for individual freedom, but with respect to the group. And we represent that all over the world with the NYO uh, musicians. And Noah, you're exactly right. These young professionals are much more advanced than I was, (laughs) Uh, not just musically, but emotionally and spiritually. And I believe that their generation is gonna take this thing a step further and really make sure that the music is not just out there in sound, but the spirit that is that is supposed to be represented in that uh, reflection that I shared from Brother J.B. Dias, I believe that they are the ones that are going to really start to be able to open that door.
4: You're absolutely right, man. And it's not just with jazz music. I mean, any collective thing that happens and happens right and comes out with positivity is due in large part to the individual contributions of the people within. And the contributions of a couple of young people with us here today, Noah Zebley, a baritone saxophonist from Concord, California, and on the other end of the country, Jacksonville, Florida, comes Maurice Shakur and he is a very fine guitarist. Now, he's 17 years old, and I point that out because when you listen to this new recording, we're still here, by NYO Jazz with special guests Melissa Aldana and Wycliffe Gordon, you hear creativity and expression way beyond their years. Maurice, when did you start on the guitar, or was the guitar your first instrument? I know for for Sean, his very first instrument was the drums until his mom told him about his grandfather who used to play the trumpet in World War II. And he thought, hmm, maybe I should go there. <laughs> How did yeah, it happen um, for you,
5: Maurice? So I, I started on guitar um when I was six. I was very young. But um I didn't start getting into jazz until I think I was like twelve or thirteen because my mom kind of like forced me into it. Um, but I mean that was the best decision she could have ever made me do. Um and I, I do have like a lot of experience under my belt, but I feel like the experience I had before and after like becoming a jazz musician is kind of like completely different worlds because jazz is just such a different style of music to um, you know just like any other style, I would say.
4: What was the feeling like for you? Because there were almost 200 applicants Vying for like 20, 22, 25 positions at the NYU Jazz housed at Carnegie Hall in New York City. What was the feeling like for you when they said, Maurice, we want you to
3: come?
5: <laughs> well, um, I was I was really shocked. I honestly didn't believe that I was reading it correctly. I kind of thought I was dreaming. But um, I uh, was just extremely thankful, honestly. To be given the opportunity to perform with such like talented people play such good music um and i was thankful to my instructors and my friends who supported me to this point
4: and for you noah what was the experience like for you when they called you or sent you a letter and said hey we want you to come
6: <laughs> also like maurice uh in the beginning a little bit of disbelief but Once I finished reading that email, I zoomed right out of my room and just jumped all around my kitchen and told my parents, so we were all laughing and hugging each other. And it was just such a feeling of excitement and hope for what was to come. And, you know, I was really excited.
4: Now, if I could use the word disbelief, that was the word that I felt when I first put on this record we're still here (laughs) because i'm telling you these these are young people man but they have been here before i'm convinced they have been here before and the new nyo jazz record which was captured by the way up at purchase college is just outstanding musicianship under the artistic direction of sean jones and with special guests melissa Aldana and featuring Wycliffe Gordon.
0: You can see Gary Walker's entire interview with Sean Jones and the students on the WBGO Facebook page. Women in Media New York is an organization that educates the public about issues affecting the lives of women using film, video, and new media as a platform. The 13th Women's International Film Festival starts on July 26th and runs through August 6th in various locations and in mixed ways. This year. We'll have virtual screenings and in-person screenings. Joining us today is the heart of Women in Media Newark, Pamela Morgan. Pam, always great to see you.
3: Thank you, Doug. Always wonderful to be with you. Thank
0: you. Two terrific filmmakers join us, Indrani Nair-Ghal, who is the director of String of Stories that will be screening virtually on August 6th. Indrani, great to have you with us.
7: Thank you for having me.
0: Andrani joins us from Charlotte, North Carolina. And Bimpe Begembo is the director of a new movie, a new film screening in person on August 4th. And Bimpe, tell us about your film because when people see it, and you know, you're such a, a wonderful poet that you. your title is in lowercase. So tell us about the title and how it developed using basically your poetry about exploring love, heartbreak and grief in a very visual poetic memoir.
1: Yes, um, thank you. So uh-huh. Bojewen, um, first of all, I should explain the title, is um, a Yoruba a term. Um, that means to look back, to look to the past. And so um, essentially what Bojuwanyi is, is um, my first book of poetry as a short art film, an experimental film. Um, As you said, that explores um, grief, uh, heartbreak, pain, love, um, and so many other things, um, because it is a memoir. But um, what I've done was in the film was ask readers, or essentially, in a way, force readers to um, sit in a moment with the character that we are not necessarily allowed out of. You know, the film is uh, experimental, so there is no beginning, there is no end. Um, we are stuck in a moment with the character to kind of reflect with her um, in this moment.
0: And this film has already received attention, honorable mention for Narrative Film at the L.A. Film Awards, an official selection of the Venice Shorts of California Film Festival. So congratulations on that.
1: Thank you, Thank you very much.
0: And as you mentioned, it's from your 2010 book. So maybe that's the bee's weakness. Yes. Uh, I've said it many times. Pam Morgan brings deep, important, and impactful films to this event. And yours, once again, is poetry to you is how you reach us. So now through this visual medium, How different has it been for you to make your poems come to life visually?
1: I think uh, the greatest difference was probably the technical aspect of it all. And so um, just the process of an independent film is very difficult. And when you're working with a small budget, uh, you take on so many roles. Um, So there was effort, in a sense, in putting the cast together, um, putting the crew together, scheduling, budgeting, meetings with executive producers, all those things. And that is unnatural to me. Um, Poetry is natural to me. And so to to, do the more organizational and technical um, aspects of putting the film together was was difficult, but um, the visual aspect was also very natural. So I, I, you know, until you do it, you're not quite sure how it'll all turn out, but um, conceiving each poem into a visual for the audience uh, was a very um, natural process for me. Um, and so, because poetry is storytelling and essentially, um, you know, film as well is is storytelling. So. I, you know, conceiving what would this poem look like for the audience, How did it feel and how how do we recreate something um, 10 years later? And so um, I would say the greatest difference was just the the things that are not natural, the marketing, the the all those things, but the art itself was 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 just like writing poetry. The visuals was just like writing poetry.
0: That will be an in-person uh, screening on August fourth at the ODR Studios, eighty-nine Madison Street in Newark. Then, coming up virtually on August sixth is "String of Stories." Droni Gall joining us. This is a very difficult topic to digest for anyone, and I know I've heard you mention because you are a mom and and have a daughter that this uh, this topic is very powerful and very sad A string of stories does present this traumatic life experience of three women who have been the victims of this is it pronounced devadasi
7: Devadasis, yes
0: devadasi yeah. tradition tell us about this tradition that's been going on that many people are not aware of and how it impacted you and and prompted you to make this full-length documentary
7: the interesting thing is that the, the, the first record of this tradition was in this very ancient text, Indian texts or scriptures that we call Puranas. There's a very ancient tales like how we have Iliad and Odysseus, in Odyssey and so on. Um, and, and the origin of that cult or the tradition starts there. It is, um, I don't think anybody exactly knows when it really physically you know began but I think the earliest record starts from sixth century AD but it started as something a little bit more noble like where even it was almost like a tradition like a nun worshiping a goddess or god or something like that but then it gradually got more corrupted and deteriorated that's what historically you know we know and um, they became gradually courtesans and singers and so on at the king's, uh, you know, court. And when kings lost their power after the British took over India, um, kings didn't have that much uh, money to, you know, to have these, um, you know, women and so on. There always have been, you know, and you know, I'm sure you know the India's caste system is a very, very strict, rigid thing in India. And there always have been layers of this practice. So you have the higher caste where it is a little bit more, they're better off. Um, and the ones that are lower caste were never that fortunate to enjoy much benefit. And they often were exploited. Um, So what exists now is in that lower caste, actually, that the lowest of all castes of India, the Dalits, get exploited still into the system because they are poor, because they have very little exposure, very little education, and they never really travel much outside of the village. So it is easy to exploit them, and that's why it still goes on. And, it became the, the, the English tried to, they tried to, uh, you know, bring a law to make this process illegal, but it didn't really work. That was in the 30s. And then much later um, in the 80s, another law was imposed. Since then, it has gotten fully underground. Nobody knows where it is happening, how much of it is going on. So it's very difficult to find out and it took me uh, nearly 10 years to really connect with uh, some of these nonprofit organizations because nobody wants to nobody trusts you really. they don't want to even open up to you because they know, you know, what will happen to these women. So so it was a very difficult process for me to start that, too.
0: Pam, you've done it again. You've put together amazing films and and brought two incredible filmmakers to the table to us. So I'd like to get your impressions. Uh, We'll we'll start off with Andrani's uh, film first, The String of Stories.
3: What is it about
0: this film that attracted you to want to show it?
3: Uh, we received tremendous feedback from the screeners. I have a screening committee that goes over the uh, films that we receive. And the response was amazing. In fact, one of my screeners called me and was just amazed that she had never heard of the tradition, that it was still happening in 2022. And what could we do about it? And... I agreed and I felt that what we could do about it was to bring awareness, to make people aware by including it in the film festival.
0: And when it comes to Bimpe, she, as a Nigerian artist, poet, filmmaker, photographer, she has so many talents, but now they're all on display in this. What are your thoughts about her film?
3: You know, Doug, I always say that filmmakers are probably the most courageous women that I know because they stand naked. There is nothing shielding them. Everything is on display. I loved Bempe's work. I love experimental film. And I thought that it needed a wider audience. And I was greatly honored when Bempe and Indrani agreed to allow us to screen their films as part of our 2022 Women's International Film Festival.
0: You can see the entire interview with the filmmakers and Pam Morgan on the WBGO Facebook page. Thanks for listening to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Join me next Saturday morning at 5:30 for another edition of the award-winning WBGO Journal. In the meantime, stay tuned to the world's greatest jazz station WBGO, and WBGO.org.